Welcome to our social landscape. I'm J.R. Woodward. I started our social landscape back in January, and my first entry was a post about Native American mascots entitled On Native American Mascots. It was an essay I had written a few years earlier for a local weekly publication, and I tweaked it a bit to make it current. The research for that post actually began years before that, when I first started learning about the topic in graduate school at Arizona State University. I would write an editorial here and there for local papers in Phoenix and later in Bozeman, Montana, and each time I would add a little bit of new information to the basic structure of my argument. This leads me to today's iteration of my blog. My first blog post about this back in January condemned the use of Native American imagery in sport, and I focused on the Washington Redskins football team in our nation's capital and the Florida State Seminoles, my alma mater, over in Tallahassee. Not much had changed in this regard until a couple weeks ago when rumors started to circulate that Daniel Snyder, the majority owner of the Washington team, was considering changing their name and logo. The Washington Redskins name and logo features a picture of John Two Guns Whitecalf, a Blackfeet chief who also appears on the Buffalo Nickel inside a circle with two feathers. I was shocked to hear that Mr. Snyder was considering changing the brand as he had always been adamantly opposed to changing the name of the team. In 2013, he famously stated, quote, as a lifelong Redskins fan, and I think that the Redskins fans understand the great tradition and what it's all about and what it means, so we feel pretty fortunate to be just working on next season. We'll never change the name. It's that simple. Never. You can put it in caps, end quote. What he lacked in grammar and sentence construction, he made up for in passion. Of all the teams around the country that use Native American imagery, and I've heard there are about a thousand left, this was the last one I would have guessed would make a change. Yet here we are. So a good question is why would he make the change now? People have been calling for the mascot to be retired for years. Specifically in the 1990s, there were a lot of protests, and probably even earlier, back into the 1970s. There are two potential reasons he's changing it now, morality or money. First, in the wake of the civil unrest in the aftermath of George Floyd being killed by members of the Minneapolis Police Department, the nation appears to be taking steps forward towards social justice, both big and small steps. There are calls to reform or even defund the police, Confederate monuments are being removed in cities across the South, and the Black Lives Matter movement has gone mainstream. It's possible that this time of social upheaval has resulted in Mr. Snyder rethinking his views on Native American cultural appropriation, and perhaps he now sees the negative impact of his team's branding. I appreciate the kind spirit in that interpretation, but I would bet against it. Rather, I think he's changing the name for the second reason. Money. I decided to talk to Michael Jetty about this. Hello, my relatives. Greet all of you with a virtual handshake, you know. And so uh, I'm a member of the Spirit Lake Dakota Nation and a Turtle Mountain Chippewa descendant. And I currently work at the Office of Public Instruction with Indian Education and provide teachers with resources to teach about accurate uh, historical and contemporary you know, Native American issues. And so that's kind of how I got involved with stereotypes and the mascot issue. 
All right, you just made me think of something that I was going to ask you uh, about why we're starting to see the change now. Why do you think Snyder, the Washington owner, chose this moment to make the change? Because of all the issues with the Black Lives Matter and social awareness, social justice, and it wasn't because he felt it was the right thing to do. It was because he had economic pressure put on him. That's what I was wondering, money or morality. Him to make the decision. It wasn't because, he, you know, he, he said in the newspaper interview, he said never, and he told that reporter to use caps. So guys like Snyder grew up with this cultural hegemony thinking, yeah, it's okay to use a term because it's just the name of a team, not considering the history of the word and, you know, it being a derogatory word because it was just part of the norm. You know, for a long time, the N-word was used in this country to refer to black people because of the, you know, the, the systemic racism that, you know, perpetuated or, you know, was all through American society. Right. And, you know, not, civil rights isn't that very long. <laughs> you know, yeah. 1954, Brown versus Board of Education and school segregation, or even the 1960s and the civil rights. And so you put that in historical perspective, we still have a lot of work to do in regards to becoming, a, you know, a more just society. So let me explain why we say that money is at the root of the change. FedEx, which owns the naming rights to the stadium, recently requested that Snyder change the name and they made this request publicly. If the name was not changed, the team stood to lose about $45 million after the 2020 season. In addition, Amazon stopped carrying team merchandise on their website. Nike stopped marketing their gear. Other sponsors like Pepsi-Cola and Bank of America called for a name change. In short, it's possible Mr. Snyder had considered changing the name earlier than two weeks ago, but he was under increasing financial pressure to leave the team's mascot and logo behind, so it's hard for me to escape the conclusion that he was motivated by money. The NBA, the National Basketball Association, has long been considered the most progressive of the major sports leagues in the U.S., and they are allowing players to put political statements on their jerseys where their name would normally be when and if the season starts back up later this month. However, they are not allowed to use a slogan that criticizes China, since the league has significant economic entanglements with that country. At the end of the day, I'm not sure if the motivation matters. If he was motivated by altruism, that would be a good thing. It might give us hope that civil unrest and the awareness that can emanate from it can lead to tangible changes in society. But if the motivation was purely financial, who cares? Maybe this is the way of the world. Consider that he felt financial pressure by corporations, but why did the corporations put pressure on him to change the name in the first place? Is it because those corporations are more politically and socially progressive than Mr. Snyder? It's doubtful. It's more likely because they too felt they would financially benefit by riding the current wave of public sentiment. I'm reminded of the momentous day in U.S. history when McDonald's announced they would start serving breakfast all day, not just until 10.30 in the morning. The ad campaign said, We heard you, breakfast all day. As if they were doing the public a favor by listening to us. Of course, they came to this decision after their data told them they would reach the desired profit margin by making the shift, not because they were concerned about making people happy. Maybe this is the way of the world. One of the questions I had from Mike Jetty was about his teaching experiences. 
This is a conversation he has had with young, sometimes eager minds, many, many times over the years, and I was curious about how he approached the topic, how he conveys the flaws found in the use of Indian mascots. So I'd always use a lot of historical references talking about this issue, going back to the Declaration of Independence. It's in the grievances against King George, and I've used it so many times in workshops I haven't memorized, but it says, he has endeavored to bring upon us the inhabitants of the frontiers, the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. And that's language right about, out of our Declaration of Independence. So right off the bat, we're lying about American Indians to serve some sort of political purpose. And the example I use is when you go to war with somebody, you dehumanize your enemy. You make them look as bad as possible so they're a lot easier to kill off. You can look at any wars throughout human history, and there are examples of that. Language that the United States has used, other countries build that whole perspective in why were Indians always perceived as warlike? It's because they were justifying cultural genocide. And, you know, it's like, well, they're somehow, you know, savage and primitive, and they're going to kill us in the first place. Always fighting, you know, undistinguished destruction. And it's, so there's that aspect. But then you bring it up to contemporary times. You know, we have, uh, you know, the U.S. military has Apache helicopters, the Lakota helicopter. Uh, the code name for Osama bin Laden was Geronimo. It's, it's crazy. You know, you have the, the Tomahawk missile. Uh, I think you have a Choctaw attack helicopter. And so all these images of war associated with Native Americans, you know, and it's just like, well, honoring the warrior tradition. And what's interesting, too, is speaking of that, American Indians serve in the U.S. military at a higher rate than any other ethnic group in this country. And so a lot of folks aren't even aware of that, you know, and it's, it's like carrying on that patriotic duty, you know, defend your land and your country and, and what you love, your family. Mm -hmm. So there's that aspect of it, too. But I think... You know, when you look at the history of the United States, um, the myth of American democracy is we've started out great and we've been getting better ever, better ever since. That's not true. And, you know, democracy is a work in progress. And I think sports mascots and rethinking them is a good example of our society being more inclusive to American Indian perspectives. Mm -hmm. But then you go back to the purposes of a mascot. Well, you want it to be fierce. But then if you look at the history of the word, it was always tied to, you know, these hegemonic con constructs of Native Americans being savage or, you know, warriors, you know. And so it's building upon a, a cultural stereotype that a lot of Americans grew up with, whether it be a cartoons or Westerns or, you know, the media, you know. And it still goes on today um, regarding, you know, Native Americans uh, and this cultural stereotype about them always you know, the warrior societies, and that's true, that, that's an actual cultural aspect, but, you know, there was a whole, you know, range of humanity in thinking about Native Americans from, you know, being, you know, loving husbands and fathers and, you know, brothers and sisters, you know, and a lot of these cultures, I'd say the majority of them, almost all, are based on the concept of love, and these warriors fought because they loved their country, their culture, their families, and it wasn't just to go out there and fight. But it was because they, you know, want to defend their, their, their people. And so, you know, that it's kind of a, uh, you know, taking one aspect of a culture and highlighting it. Okay, that's good because 
I had a, had something I wanted to ask you a little bit later, but let's just tackle it now. Can we separate out the logo from the mascot? You know, the uh, the the picture, the drawing that we know, you know, a little bit about, and then the actual the mascot, the name, uh, the redskin term. Can can we address one but not the other, or do they both need to be tackled in unison? I think. Uh you know, personally, I think because they've been together so long, you can't, you know, because the, it is associated with the name. But, you know, who knows? You know, I, I mascots are not a black and white issue, I guess, is how I present it. Um, not all mascots are created equal. A question that remains unanswered at this point is what the new name will be for the football team in Washington. I prefer the term I used in the title of this post, the Potomac Drainage Basin Indigenous Persons, borrowed from Greg Easterbrook, but I don't think that one is getting a lot of traction. So I'd probably vote for the Senators, which is the mascot for the high school my daughters went to in Jacksonville Beach. But the online betting company Sportsbook emailed the odds for rebranding the team, and Red Tails, Red Clouds, and Warriors were the top three. This disappoints me because I believe Washington should make a clean break in any Indian references. Here's Mike Jetty. You know, um, personally, I just say throw it all out, start with something new, and maybe those things are something new, but move away from, you know, the native logo. You know, I think it's time, you know, but like with other teams, maybe they can, like Atlanta Braves, I think they have started a discussion about encouraging their fans not to do the tomahawk chop and their they said maybe they're not going to distribute tomahawks at their games anymore. The Cleveland Indians actually retired Chief Wahoo as their mascot, which is this really goofy, stereotypical image of an Indian. That's a positive mm-hmm. movement that's happened. And so there's little steps that are happening. And, you know, maybe, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, I know, have brought in Native Americans to sing at games. But then you turn on the Chief games and the last Super Bowl, it's like you hear the tomahawk chop. Uh, one of my friends who was Northern Cheyenne went to Kansas City to a Chiefs game. It was like 20 years ago, and he said it was a surreal experience because he's a traditional singer. And, you know, singing is very important to his culture and his life. And But to hear these fo- folks, you know, about 60,000 or whatever, just doing whoa, 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 whoa this made-up chant. Made up, right. Um, he said at first he was mad. And then he looked around and he realized these folks aren't even thinking about Indians. They're just doing this chant to, you know, intimidate the other team. You know, like you go to a game, you hear people go, ah, you know, really loud. Well, it's just like the same kind of thing. You're just yelling to support your team, but your team happens to have a stereotypical Indian mascot. So you're going to do the chop. It's fascinating. I'd like to see that stop. And maybe it will if we educate more folks and say, hey, maybe this isn't truly accurate. And if you're truly asking about honoring people and you say, well, our mascot is the honor, well, then they should live up to that thing of saying honor and get rid of it. But, you know, so I I mentioned that not all mascots are created equal, right? Right. Um, U.S. Commission in 2001 did a study on Indian mascots and said, you know, they wanted to end that practice by non-Indian teams. And so here's an issue in Montana and, you know, across Indian country is we have schools on any reservations that had Native American mascots, like on the Blackfeet Reservation, they're the Browning Indians. 
on the Crow Reservation near the Lodge Grass Engines, on the Fort Peck Reservation near the Poplar Engines. And my thing I've been pushing for a long time and is uh, why be this generic Indian? You know, there's over 574 federally recognized tribes that fall under this Indian label, but they all have their own unique cultures and identities and languages. And so like in Browning, they're the Amskapi Why not be the Browning Pakani and name in their own language for themselves? Or Lodgegrass are the, known as the Crow or the Lodgegrass of Zalaka. Use their own name and their own language to truly represent who they are, to educate about their cultural identity. And so, you know, that's why I say maybe mascots could be to flip the script here and to really indigenize our mascots instead of using this generic English term, use our own terms for ourselves. An example of that is my tribe. We used to be known as the Devil's Lake Sioux. Devil's Lake Sioux. Well, the word Sioux means nothing in the Dakota or Lakota language. It's a label placed upon. We call ourselves Dakota or Lakota. And so the tribe says, well, no, Devil's Lake, you know, was a sacred area. And so Miniwakan Oyate, the people of the sacred lake, you know, instead of this Devil's Lake Sioux, it's like our tribe renamed ourselves to be who we are. And so there's this movement going out there to use indigenous languages to reaffirm cultural identity and to say this is who we really are. The last question I have for now is what impact the Washington decision will have on other teams and schools around the country. As I've said, the Washington Redskins are a venerable franchise in the most powerful sports league in the country. Like it or lump it, the NFL is king. And one of the oldest franchises has made a political statement, intentionally or otherwise, that the Indian mascot and logo need to go. Will others follow in their footsteps? Will there be a ripple effect? As I mentioned earlier, my first blog post on this topic focused on the Washington Redskins and the Florida State Seminoles, and I hope the university begins to take steps towards replacing their mascot, but I'm not sure if the politics behind the issue are the same. I decided to ask my friend, R.T. White, about it. In addition to being a badass attorney, R.T. is also a lifelong FSU fan, and he supports the use of the Seminole mascot. He was kind enough to give me his two cents on the topic. So I went back and re- I reread your article. Which one? The first one. Okay, yeah, that's the one I the started. The first blog post. Yeah, so that's why I kind of want to do this one um, because that was my first post, and I talked about the Redskins and the Seminoles. And so uh, with the Washington changing you know, their name, that's why I'm like, I need to revisit this. So I talked to you earlier about it, just briefly, about whether you think there'd be a ripple effect to other teams from Washington because Washington's such a big team, you know, they're so high profile, but you don't think so. You don't think there'll be, you know, the, the, the last straw that now everything kind of changes. I don't know if it's going to drop down to, I, I can see, I can see the chiefs in the NFL as well, having some possible having to change, obviously the Indians in Cleveland, the Braves. Um, I don't, I don't know if, does Chicago doesn't get much kickback on the Blackhawks. Blackhawks, you don't hear about it as much. No, you know their their emblem is you know the guy with the he's got the feathers and mm-hmm. kind of like the the Indian chief looking face. But I guess is that the Blackhawks were a tribe locally around that area. I'm assuming. I, I think so. Yeah, I don't know for sure. 
But I don't know if it goes, I don't know how far down it's going to go. I don't know if it's going to get to the NCAA level because they already have that kind of ruling that, you know, they said you pretty much couldn't do it. And then there's always exceptions. And it seems that Florida state has an exception. Yeah. They might be one of the only schools that has an exception because university of Illinois had to change. I think North Dakota had to change. So I don't know if there's many college ones left, you know, Dartmouth and Stanford a long time ago changed. What do you think the difference is between the pro and the college? I think it's going to, I think maybe each individual community, if it's not in the spotlight, I don't know if it'd be changing. I don't know. I don't know if the whole thing that happened with the riots, I don't know if riots the right word, the protest, that if that wouldn't have happened in the Black Lives Matter, I don't know if we'd be talking about the Redskins right now. They were on the hot seat. We know that, but they've been on the hot seat forever. So have the Indians. Right. Washington hadn't budged. So what do you think it is about the protests that make, made them get on the hot seat even more? I think, it, I, well, some of it's the fallout of the advertisers. I saw, didn't Amazon, well, I know major retailers stopped selling their goods. Like Nike, I think Nike said it. So I think that's a lot of money for the NFL. And I'm sure the other owners are probably saying, hey, you got to change. So it's uh, it's financially driven. You think more than like oh, you know, like the, the George Floyd protest could have potentially brought in like a change of consciousness or awareness or something among you know Snyder and his crew. Or do you think it really was just more of the bottom line? I really wish we could say it was the protest uh, influenced people to have a change of heart, but I think it is the monetary. I think the PR and the monetary mm-hmm. um, are the reasons for the change. I mean, I think, I mean, you look at it, look at it to the food items as well. You know, I think that inspired those food items to make changes. Like what? Getting rid of the Aunt Jemima and the Uncle Ben. And Okay, so that, that then gives, um, but then we back up and say, well, what is it about the other companies? So if somebody's pressuring Snyder, why are they pressuring Snyder, are they, is Amazon and Pepsi and FedEx, are they losing money in this environment if they don't press for changes? You know what I mean? Like did Amazon CEO and did, you know, FedEx CEO get a a change of consciousness and then tell Snyder to change it? Or are they also motivated by? I think they're motivated by dollars, pressure, pressure. And I think they're motivated by pressure. Okay. So you think uh, the Florida State Seminoles are safe? despite what happened in DC. You don't think they're going to change? Yeah, I'll be surprised. And, you know, it goes back to, and I, you know, when I reread your article, I think, I think because they have the backing of the tribal leaders or elders or whoever blesses the union, um, that that's what Florida state puts up front and says, you know, Hey, we, we, you know, we honor them unconquered. Uh, if they did change it, would it affect your, your fanship, if that's a word? Like, I know there's going to be some backlash with Washington, right? There's going to be fans that are like, forget it, yeah. you know, I'm done. Do you think it would affect it, or do you think eventually you just still root for the team, or how do you think it would impact it? Yeah, I think you still root for the team. Just I, still, I certainly would. It's still my, you know, it's a school I went to, you know, still, you know, they'll probably see, keep the same colors and uh-huh. just have to, if they did, they'd rename the team, and it would be what it is. So some, some, I'm sure there'd be some reaction formation, but you know, no, you know what though, those people in 10 years from now, they'll be moving on and everybody else will be moving up like everything else. It'll change. Change is inevitable. I suppose the pace of which is defined subjectively. 
I'll finish with Mike Jetty's thoughts on what the Washington name change means going forward. I hope it's a ripple effect, you know, because they are, you know, whether or not you like sports, you know, you know, there's a team in Washington named that. And so it might, you know, it's been on CNN and it's been in all these nationwide newspapers. And so at least people are thinking about it. And maybe folks in Atlanta or Cleveland or, you know, the Blackhawks or whoever are thinking about it. Maybe some of these other college teams that have native mascots are thinking maybe we could rethink this and do things in a more culturally appropriate manner and truly honor. Who knows? But in a way, I'd kind of like to see them all go away. It's a work in progress. And I think, you know, I thank you for what you're doing, JR, to bring this issue up and try and educate folks. And it's not about being politically correct. It's about being morally correct and doing the right thing. I'll leave you with this quote, JR, from my dad. Um, You've probably heard the saying, you know, you should never criticize someone until you've walked a mile in his moccasins. You've probably heard that, right? Yes. Yeah. And um, I asked my dad why. And he said, well, that way you can be a mile away, plus you got his moccasins. (laughs) You've been listening to the Potomac Drainage Basin Indigenous Persons on Our Social Landscape. Thanks to Mike Jetty and R.T. White for agreeing to let me ask them questions and to Shane Doyle for greasing the wheels. The music is the traditional powwow, song sung by Sheldon Primo and Brian General. If you have questions or comments, feel free to email me at woodward at fscj.edu. Thanks for listening. Thank you.